Thanks for joining us for the special Mid-East Prophecy Edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. shares the Mideast Prophecy Update from an Arab perspective as he connects the dots of current events geopolitically with last day's prophecies biblically. It is our belief that the next event on God's prophetic clock is the rapture of the Church of Jesus Christ. It is our hope that these Bible prophecy updates will not only ready you and steady you for His return, but that they will also encourage you to share the gospel with others in order that the rapture will not be as a thief in the night. Do you ever feel like this world consumes you? It's so easy to get caught up with the conditions of our planet. But today, Pastor J.D. reminds us that we're only here temporarily. We need to store up treasures in heaven instead of on this earth. Don't get too involved down here. Instead, look ahead to where your home truly lies. Now, don't forget to stay with us after today's Prophecy Update to learn how you can become a Facebook friend or watch the weekly Prophecy Update on YouTube. Now, here's Pastor J.D. with today's Prophecy Update as shared on November 7th, 2021. Today is going to be one of those from the heart updates. And I want to share with you something that God has been impressing upon my heart, and it's that of just letting go of this world. Not just letting go of this world, but the things of this world. This world is not our home. This world is a place that we have long ago overstayed our welcome. Would you agree? Actually, it's Bible prophecy that can have the much-needed effect of loosening our ever-tightening grip on our lives in this fallen world. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. The Apostle John, in his first epistle, the second chapter, beginning in verse 15, said it this way, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And here's why. For all, verse 16, that is in the world, the lusts of the flesh, the lusts of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away. It's dying and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 6, if I could draw your attention to verses 19 through 21. The Savior is speaking, actually preaching this well-known sermon. And he says, verse 19, this, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. And here's the reason. For where your treasure is, 
there your heart will be also. Notice he doesn't say, where your heart is, there will your treasure be also. No. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where's your treasure? That's where your heart is. If my treasure is here, my investment is here, I've laid up for myself treasures here, then my heart is here. And if my heart is here, my heart is not up there. It's either or. It cannot be both. He would go on to say, you cannot serve two masters. He doesn't say, you should not. He says, you cannot. It is an impossibility. It's either one or the other. I'm either living my life for this world, or I'm living my life for Jesus. It cannot be both. And my treasures, if I'm laying up my treasures here on earth, then not only is that where my heart is, that's where my devotion is, and that's where all my attention is. And I will do everything and stop at nothing to keep my life here, because my treasures are here, and my heart is here also. Matthew 16. I want to begin reading in verse 24. Now let me kind of set the stage here a little bit. Jesus has just got done telling the disciples that He's going to go to His death, and He's going to be buried, and He's going to rise from the dead on the third day. And they're having a really hard time with this, especially Peter. (laughs) This is where Peter says to Jesus, and this is a very loose paraphrase, after Jesus says, I'm going to die and raise again from the dead. And basically Peter says, over my dead body, no you're not, you ain't going anywhere. And then of course, this is where Jesus responds to Peter and says, get thee behind me, Satan. Not that Peter is Satan, but he says to him, you don't have the mind of the things of God you're not heavenly minded, you've got an earthly minded view. I have to get thee behind me. I have to go to my death. I have to be buried. I have to raise again from the dead on the third day. And then after he says that, he says this beginning in verse 24, Matthew 16. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple, must deny themselves, and take up their cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to, listen, save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in His Father's glory with His angels, and then He will reward each person according to what they have done. This is what I like to refer to as 
the paradox of paradoxes, and I'll explain what I mean by that. Our faith, our belief, our trust in Christ is a paradox, if you think about it. The way up is the way down. You want to gain, lose. You want to live, die. You want to follow me, pick up your cross. Oh, you want to save your life? You're going to lose it. Are you willing to lose your life? You're going to keep it. You're going to save it. You're going to find it. That's the paradox of the Christian faith. Doubtless you've heard that well-known hymn by Fanny Crosby titled, Take the World, but Give Me Jesus. What's not so well known is the story behind it. Many of Fanny Crosby's gospel songs were inspired by things that happened to her, conversations that she had during her long life. Biographer Bernard Ruffin quotes from Crosby's book, Memories of Eighty Years, concerning one such story. Fanny was talking to one of her neighbors who complained bitterly of his poverty. If I had wealth, I would be able to do just what I wish to do, and I would be able to make an appearance, i.e. an impression in the world. Fanny replied, well, take the world, but give me Jesus. She later turned that comment into the present song, which also seems to draw upon the penetrating words of the Lord Jesus, What will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? The value of our treasures depends on who does the counting and what kind of a measuring instrument is used. Take the world, but give me Jesus. Why? Because the pleasures and treasures of this world are soon going to pass away, but His love abides forever. One is reminded of the oft-quoted words of missionary Jim Elliot. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. What follows are some of the words to this timeless hymn, I'll do my best to do it justice. Take the world, but give me Jesus. All its joys are but a name, but His love abideth ever through eternal years the same. Oh, the height and depth of mercy. Oh, the length and breadth of love. Oh, the fullness of redemption, pledge of endless life above. Take the world, but give me Jesus. Let me view His constant smile. Then throughout my pilgrim journey, light will cheer me all the while. There's another stanza 
where she writes about seeing Jesus face to face. And what's interesting about that is that she was blind. And for her to pen these words, let me view his constant smile. It's almost as if the blind see that which those who are not blind do not see. You can have it. You can have this world. Just give me Jesus. As a student and teacher of Bible prophecy, as is my privilege to be, I made a number of observations over the years, but none as important as this. I'm just, again, sharing with you my heart. I've seen this in my own life over the years. One's understanding of Bible prophecy is germane to losing one's life in this world for Christ's sake as we live in anticipation of Christ's return. Let me say the same thing in a different way. It's Bible prophecy that has this effect of losing your life in this world. I mean, why would I want to invest in this world? It's dying. That's not a good investment. Why would I lay up treasures in this world that's passing away? That's not wisdom. That's foolish. See, when I understand Bible prophecy, and that Jesus is coming, and He is coming, it has this effect of, now I'm keeping a light touch on this world, because I'm not going to be here that long. I lose my life in this world for Christ's sake, because of Christ's return. And as such, what oftentimes ensues is that we become so heavenly minded, we're of most earthly good. Now I know I've jammed some gears. Sorry for that metaphor. I've crashed some hard drives for you younger people. You have to reboot your device. How's that one? I don't know. Whatever. Whatever. You just take your pick. Because you've heard it said the other way around. You're so heavenly minded. You're of no earthly good. I disagree. Respectfully, sometimes not so respectfully, the opposite is true. It's the ones who are so heavenly minded that are the ones that do the most earthly good. Why? Because our mind is set on things above. Isaiah the prophet would say it like this, He will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee. My mind, heavenly minded, not earthly minded. And by the way, if where my treasure is, there will my heart be also, wouldn't it stand to reason that my mind would be there too? You know, there is a very tight relationship, if I can say it like that, between the heart and the mind. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So maybe the question is, and I ask it of myself, Am I heavenly minded, or am I earthly minded? 
If I'm heavenly minded, then what comes packaged with that is this anticipation that Jesus could come at any time. If my mind is stayed on Him, my treasures are up there with Him, and so too is my heart up there with Him. This is why Bible prophecy is of paramount importance. Hear me out. If you really think about it, the common denominator with all of Bible prophecy is this. Don't get too comfortable. Think about it. Bible prophecy. Behold, I go to prepare a place for you. Jesus is talking to the disciples about the rapture, by the way. In my Father's house are plenty of rooms, mansions, dwelling places. If it were not so, I would not have told you that I go to prepare a place for you, so that where I am, there you may be also. In other words, I'm taking you to this place and I'm preparing for you. That's a bridegroom talking to his bride. I'm going to come back as a thief in the night and I'm going to snatch you away. Nobody knows the day or the hour. But I'm going to take you back to this place that I prepared for you, and we're going to celebrate and consummate our marriage together. If it were not so, I would not have told you. Well, now that's kind of a game changer. Well, number one, if you're going to prepare a place and you're going to come back, I better be ready. Exactly. Um, if you're going to prepare a place for me, and you're going to come back and take me to where you are, so that I also am, sounds like I don't need to get too comfortable down here. Maybe I shouldn't dig the foundation of my earthly life too deep into the temporal soil of this world if you're going to be taking me out of this world. Here's the truth. All of our eternal destinies are predicated upon the foundation on which we build our lives in this world. You know where I'm going with this, so I'll just get to it. Matthew 7, Jesus is speaking, verse 24. Therefore, Whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat on that house, and it did not fall. Why did it not fall? Oh, it was founded on the rock. But... Everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat on that house, and it fell. And not only did it fall, Jesus says, and great was its fall. Interesting. Two builders, two houses, two foundations. These guys had a lot in common. Uh, they even went to the same church, it seems. What do you mean? Well, they both heard the words 
of Christ. But that's where the similarities end. Because the difference between these two builders was one of them put into practice, took heed, and did that which God said in His Word to do. And when not if the storms came, that house stood. The winds came, the house stands. The floods came, the house stands. Why? Because the foundation is on the rock, and the rock is Christ. But this other guy, he decides to build his house on the sand. Big mistake! And the reason he foolishly did this is because he did not take heed to the Word of God. Oh, he heard the Word, but he did not apply the Word. He did not do what the Word said. He was a hearer, James says, of the Word, but he was not a doer of the Word. Okay, Pastor, uh, help me out here. I'll try. I just got done reading the Word of God. And the Word of God is, you want to follow me? die. You want to live for me? Pick up your cross, die to yourself, and follow me, and you'll live. You want to live? You want to keep your life? Lose your life. That's the Word. Now, am I going to do it? Am I going to do it? Because if I do, then I'll be like the one who built his house on that solid rock, So that again, when, not if, and that's important that you hear what I just said, because said storm has already hit. Would you agree? And yours and my life had better be on the rock, or else we're going down. Here's the bottom line. (laughs) Jesus is the only foundation. Jesus is the only door. Jesus is the only truth. Jesus is the only way. Jesus is the only life. And Jesus is our only hope. And the sooner we let go of this world, putting our hope in this world, and put our hope in Him, and not this world, the better. One need look no further than to everything that's happening in the world to see that the only hope for the world is Jesus. And his imminent return for his church in the rapture. It's not just the blessed hope, it's our only hope. The end of the world is going to happen, and it might be closer than we think. There's much happening in the world around us that ties into the predictions made in the Bible. With the number of events occurring, though, it can be difficult to keep up with it all. 
Pastor J.D. Farag has taken it upon himself to help us out with that. Each week, Pastor J.D. takes an in-depth look at what Scripture has to say about the end times and then pairs them with the current events of the week. These Mideast Prophecy Updates are available for free to you through our website, inspiritandtruthradio.com. You'll find them as well on our YouTube channel, and we update them each week to give you the latest information. These messages are useful to us to be able to keep Jesus' ultimate kingdom goal at the front of our minds. Jesus came to earth to offer love and forgiveness to each person. He completed his mission when he died on the cross for our sins and then defeated death by rising again. Jesus has charged each one of us who confess to follow him with a simple task. Go into the world and share the good news of his life. As the end draws even closer, we need to adopt a sense of urgency in getting the word out. We hope you will use these Mideast Bible prophecy updates to draw closer to Jesus, allowing Him to speak through you to the world around you. Once again, you'll find these prophecy updates by visiting InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com and clicking the link to our YouTube channel. Join us again for Truth from God's Word right here on In Spirit and Truth.